Welcome to CrossCast, where we discuss the modern relevance of the Bible from the Christian point of view. We shed light on subjects uncommon in the church and bring clarity to the gray zones and in all cases glorify God. So once again, welcome to CrossCast. Everybody, we are back doing another episode in the Spiritual Warfare series. This one is called Bizarre Technology, Bizarre Tech. We got Adam here. Estoy aquí. And there you go. So we have uh, a couple more episodes left with this Spiritual Warfare series, but we figured a good transition from the Perilous Days episode towards the Giants is this one in the middle here with Bizarre Tech. And this kind of lends to some of the reasons due to the technology of why things could be perilous and to maybe explain some of the things that we're going to cover in the Giants episode. So this is where we find ourselves. And um, just as a note to kick off, you know, the past thousands of years from the time that mankind was placed on the planet to the time up through the, say, mid-1800s, technology really wasn't advancing much. People were still getting around on horses or walking, plowing the fields with animals, things of that nature. There was no electricity. There was no some sort of municipality utilities of water and gas and things of that nature. You know, sewer, everything was very manual. Right, weapons technology was kind of your biggest one with the uh, advent of gunpowder in China, and then they found a way to make cannons and work that into guns, which are basically hand cannons. Right, and so whenever you go through these thousands of years, all of a sudden we get to the Industrial Revolution, and then things ignite. At that point, moving forward, we see this huge advance in the 40s, the 30s and 40s, right around World War II, and then at the conclusion of that war, we already started moving into the nuclear age. And then now we find ourselves here after 2000. It seems like every year or every couple of years, the technology is just surging to things that almost seem sci-fi. Right. It's like uh, this is fantasy. And it's almost you have to go there in your imagination in some sort of fantasy mindset to maybe get close to what actually exists in technology of what's already been invented because we don't know everything that's been invented. They're not overt about these things. I've heard some people say that what is being released to the public is maybe a hundred (laughs) years, the better part of a hundred years behind what they actually have in these secret bases or out in space. And and we're going to kind of touch on some of this stuff. And so for the sake of this episode, this is going to be a bit more discussive. It may be even a little bit more sci-fi fantasy trying to interface with what may be possible in technology. And myself, Adam, we don't have the keys to these bases and these technology craft or... Well, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can't say, well, here's a picture of this and I experienced that. But it's just looking at what the Bible has to say from a standpoint of what we know is going to happen, and then looking at different things that we can see 
or we see edges of in our society of saying, okay, that technology exists right there. That is real. And so you kind of try to connect the dots. And I think this is going to be an interesting discussion, maybe to point out a few things for you to go and study, for you to look up on your own and make your own conclusions. But I think the biggest point for me is, is that as we get closer to the tribulation period, we know that the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he is going to deceive many with lying signs, miracles, and wonders. He will even cause fire to come down from heaven. And he's going to do all these miraculous things. So if you can start getting things wrapped around your brain a little bit with what may be possible, then maybe as we talk to other people who are not Christians that may find themselves in the tribulation period, then maybe we can better equip them to not be deceived when the deceiver appears. Right. And I think that this technology, well, better yet, this technology will be part of the weaponry that the Antichrist's is using that the devil is using to deceive many. And it's like anything but God. And what you were saying earlier about sci-fi. So think about this in the sixties, you had the show star Trek, you know, with William Shatner and they had a handheld communication device, had a little gold cover that flipped up and they could talk to each other like a walkie talkie to the ship. And they would call into the ship and say, Hey, you know what, what is the scanner array showing? Oh, they're showing a methane deposit over here. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, we see life forms over here. Okay, cool. And they would talk back and forth with a ship, and the ship had massive computer banks, and it could do all this stuff. You fast forward from the 60s, so what, 70 years, 60 years to now, and our cell phones, the iPhone, both as a communication device, but is also the entire computer array that handles all the information coming in from satellites and every little thing that you want to do. Like if you just get a whim or a notion of, Hey, I want to, I want to see constellations in the sky. You download a constellation app, you hold your camera up to the sky and it'll augment the screen to where you're looking at the night sky, but it draws in the constellations for you. So you can see exactly where they are. Right. And we use it all the time. I say we Americans use it all the time through like Google maps and you can see where you have traffic jams, right? Because they are tracking the slower speed of traffic the phones and the vehicles that are stopped and loaded up and compressed up on an interstate. Well, and also Google earth, everybody likes to zoom into their house and be like, Oh, my white car is out front. So this is from two years ago. Yeah. And And then do it again and again until the updated photos come in. Well, and I want to go back to what the Bible says literally thousands of years ago, Daniel is getting this message from God and he is told this, and this is quote. So this is God sending a message to Daniel. And he says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And then it says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And we're talking about cars. You're talking about knowledge and technology and the interconnectedness that we have with human beings on the planet. I mean, think about that. It doesn't matter if there is somebody in another country on the opposite side of the globe, speaking a foreign language, we can get into their local news and have it translated to our language to get an understanding and probably have like multiple sources of like pundits or talking heads to kind of help explain to you what's going on. And we feel like we just went there and we're experiencing in our mind anyway, or maybe some of our emotions, what they're experiencing on the other side of the planet right now. 
and you feel connected. You feel like you have more knowledge at your fingertips and this isn't normal. <laughs> this is not right. normal. You look back to the days of Adam and Eve all the way up through, say, the middle 1800s, and it was basically same technology. We mentioned a couple little things. You know, metals were starting to come to the forefront. Right, metallurgy. Types of foraging and the gunpowder and getting into some of these type things, the telegraph. But Well, and those were artisans too. Like sword makers knew that harder metals make a sharper blade, but softer metals don't break. Right. And so they would work on forging them together, melding them into one blade that's both rigid enough to hold a sharp edge but soft enough not to be brittle. Well, there was, and that's a technology, right? There was design that was coming forward in weaponry, and design Armor. of cities and walls and communities, and trying to take advantage of natural settings of resources, water, earth for right. gardening, and different types of defenses or thoroughfares for travel or port cities and things like that. So right. there was these things going on, but it wasn't until the advent of the steam engine that really kicked off things in the way of technology, the way that we have come to depend on them. Right. And it blinds us too also, because um, I was watching a special not too long ago about the, the aqueducts of Machu Picchu and how amazing it was that they found this spring in the top of the mountain. Cause Machu Picchu is on the top of a mountain. They found a spring up there and they channeled the water a certain way to run through fountains all through the city. So everybody had water and I'm listening to these archaeologists who are just amazed that they could do this and oh, all the stonework. And, but this is at a time where pretty much everybody that wasn't some kind of royalty was some kind of worker. And stonework was a pretty common thing because, every, like you said, walls, everything's made of stone. Right. There was a lot of quarrying, a lot of masonry going on with construction. But it was right. But there was a slow progression. There was progression, but there was a slow progression. But until we get into the Industrial Revolution, and I do believe if you go back and you look at this very simple verse, but very, very revealing, where Daniel's trying to understand, Daniel chapter 12 is, a, is the final chapter of right. the book of Daniel. And he is trying to get his head wrapped around the vision, the information that was just received by him about what's going to take place on the planet, especially looking at the altered beast, the fourth beast, which is the right. Antichrist kingdom. He wants to know more about that. And then he's instructed, hey, you seal it up. Well, then we know that John came along and he authored the book of Revelation to help us further understand the things that were sealed in the book of Daniel. And so as this says, Daniel chapter 12, verse four, it says, seal up the words in the book until the time of the end. And then there was a clue about what's going to happen during the time of the end. People are going to be physically running to and fro, going from right. here, going to there. We think about that with our vehicles. It's no big deal to drive 30 miles to go do something, then come right back. And you're only gone for maybe just a couple hours, 30 miles. Right. That's no big deal. That's local to us. If you take away all of the vehicles, all of your vehicles vanish off the planet. And then now, how far can you travel? That 30 miles, how are you going to get there? Well, in Dallas from here is just over 237. It's about 250 miles to Dallas, a little less. I've had day trips to Dallas where we drove up, took about four and a half hours, got there, did whatever we were going to do, turn around and came back. And in one day, when to and from Dallas traveled basically 500 miles. Right. And so even if you had a horse, how far could you travel in one day with a horse? You got to stop and let the horse rest. Yeah. And then still have enough energy, even as a rider, to 
do what you need to do and then return in one in one day. Right. And so we are running to and fro. That's not to even get into the shipping, the trains, different types of airlines or Bullet jet trains. craft. And then let's throw in the space shuttle. I mean, yeah. we are really moving around now. And that's not even to get into the secret technology and secret type of aircraft and submarines and things like that that exist on the planet that gives us all this capability that Daniel was like, wait a minute, what is all this? Right, because again, Daniel lives in a time where it's it's artisans. You have brick makers, you have uh, stone workers, you have metal workers. Everybody has a craft, a thing they work with, and they'll spend 40 years just perfecting that craft and then they'll train an apprentice who can take it a step further and their apprentice takes it a step further. But in the end, you're working in uh, earth minerals. You're working in stone. You're working in metal. You're working in different things like this. Everybody was marveling at Rome when the Roman Empire came in with the arch. You could have an opening with a round top you know, because they, they engineered it. And so you see little bitty steps, but in the end, even with the arch, you're working with stone. And if Daniel's looking forward into the future and you're seeing computers, you know, you're seeing an iPad, just theoretically, if that's what he may have seen, doesn't really say that, but you see an iPad where you can look at pictures and bring up the internet and scroll through and you can digitally visit locations and do a full virtual tour, looking even to the places that if you went and took a physical tour, you would not be able to go and see it. You know, right. it's behind closed doors, but they put it in the virtual tour. And you'd have to imagine that he's seeing wireless communication, wireless data, Wi-Fi, right. Bluetooth, cellular, things of that nature, frequencies, radio waves, and transmissions without a connection, without a wire, wireless type of sending and receiving. I mean, think about it. If you were in that era, how could you comprehend that? It almost seems like telepathy. Well, in a city, just a modern city with skyscrapers would blow your mind. Exactly. And here's something else. And this is going to tie back in real well to the Perilous Days episodes that we were talking about, because it's the same little passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I want, to re- I want to reread this real quick. And it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. And this is the key verse right here, verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. So he describes the society, what's on the hearts of just the regular members of the community globally. Right. And he goes through all of these ideas of their focus. What is their drive, their motivation, what are they giving attention and time and effort into? And it's always about something that's self-seeking, something that's self-satisfying back to themselves. And then he says that one key phrase there, that they're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And man, that is exactly what we see here 
And again, this is to open up bizarre tech, but that's exactly what we see. We feel like we know so much because we look back at all the thousands of generations who were just dummies out in the woods, out in the wilderness with sticks and stones being pulled around behind animals. I mean, that's what we think of. So we think of them as a dumbed or a dumbed down society. And here we are. Oh, we have ascended. We are we are uh, illuminated. We are enlightened. We have so much information and therefore we are superior. And then the Bible says they're not coming to the truth. And what's the truth? The truth is God's word. Who is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. And they don't ever come around to the salvation in Jesus Christ because they're arrogant and they think that they have no need of salvation because they've already achieved enlightenment. Right. Well, and two points to this. So first point, um, it says lovers of themselves, which is at least in America, what you really see. And let me, let me draw it this way. I don't know how many times you get on social media or YouTube or something and somebody's posted a video or they'll post a picture of something and they'll write a three paragraph description under the picture and they'll go through this huge life story about how basically just telling the world how great of a person they are, almost as if they've spent their entire life waiting for that day that somebody will interview them and they can just be like, oh yeah, you know, I've always been into this and I've just always been a great person. And you know what I mean? Just get to tell that story of how awesome they are and um, they haven't achieved fame enough yet to be interviewed by somebody. So they just put up a YouTube video just doing it anyway because everybody's on a fame hunt and we're all convinced that we're all so awesome, which is what you see a lot in what um, you call these days, a, uh, the influencers or the Instagram influencer These people that get paid to use products so that other people will say, Oh, they're so cool. I'll use the product too. The influencers are really into that. But so you see this, this heavy amount of self-love and it's ever increasing in the modern day. So that's kind of part one of this. Now, part two of this, is you were talking about ever learning, but never coming to the truth. How many people do you know that can study the Bible and yet come out with the wrong answer? My wife was actually showing me a, a um, the, the, there's this app called TikTok, you know, where people post just, just dumb videos. And there is a video that she showed me today of a guy who, and he was saying that, um, homosexuality is not actually banned in the Bible. He's saying, I've been studying the Bibles for years. Let me tell you what the Bible really says. And he went on this huge description about how homosexuality and transgender and all this stuff is actually biblically okay and everybody's wrong. And I just watched it and I was like, you have nothing to back that up with. You know, and he's talking about, oh, well, this word was translated wrong and the word homosexual is never used in the Bible. And I'm like, no, but it says men loved men and send, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's, and then it says now, it black and white. Yeah. And not to say that was the point of this episode, but while you're on it recently, the Pope just came out and endorsed same sex unions. Right. And he's supposed to be very smart in the Bible, right? Because he's the Pope, he's leading the Catholic church, but we have him pointed 180 degrees opposite of what the Bible says and what we know to be truth. Right. But I'm just pointing out the fact that somebody would read the Bible and intentionally look for, oh, maybe this word was wrong or whatever, so that they could work it to fit their agenda instead of the Bible is supposed to be read black and white. And so what you're saying, they can read and gain knowledge and yet still never know the truth. Right. And then looking at this becoming lovers of themselves, 
it's very evident with one of the most popular devices ever invented in our modern time, the iPhone. Think about what it's called, iPhone, about me. You might as well call it me phone or about me phone or it's all about myself. And then we have cameras on both sides of the device. So that way we can do selfies, which is now officially a vocabulary word in the dictionary in the English language. Right. And so we do iPods, iPads, you know, all these things about I, me, and we've talked about it before. The logo for the Apple products, it's the Apple with a bite that's been taken out of it. Where do we see that? What is that iconic of? Well, the Garden of Eden. Now we can argue about what type of fruit it was. That's not the point. Society, culture has adapted that it was an apple. Therefore, that's what it represents. Why these types of imagery? Why this type of naming of the product and branding? And and we're so focused on these things. And it's, it's very troubling. It's very troubling that we've come to a point in our nation, which is the pulse of our spiritual status, if you will, that everything is very self-centered. We are very far away from the knowledge of the truth, but we feel like we're so educated. I mean, all the information that you have, I mean, you can look up anything. I don't know. You want to talk about, uh, you know, things out in the universe, different types of planetary designs or stars or black holes or gravitational fields and magnetic fields, asteroids and whatever. You can just go and just spend hours researching it yourself. If you want to talk about medicine and the body, if you want to talk about how to design some type of piece of architecture or some sort of structure. If you want to go and learn how to build and then fill in the blank, it's right. it's all right there. You could just jump in and then we feel like we're immediate experts on it. It's like a download from the movie Matrix where he just plugs himself in and then the, the operator types in like, what do you want to know? You want to know Kung Fu? Well, here, let me put the Kung Fu program on you. And then you kind of go through this little moment of download. And then I'm an expert. I know Kung Fu. And it's almost like that is the imagery of how we see ourselves. And Hey, YouTube is great. There's been certain things I've been trying to fix or do something on my truck or something like that. I'm like, let me check this out. There's a guy in there with a, with a camera saying, Hey, be sure to do this and pull right here. And you're going to need this type of tool. And this will take you about an hour or whatever. And it's like, I can do that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then go do it. Like, sure enough, I, I I could do that just as he said. Well, and also just college these days. College has this um this wonderful ability to make young people who are completely naive to the world and the way things work feel like experts overnight by giving them a base foundation. But then, and and I have friends that are engineers, went to college, get their whole engineering degree, um, the whole nine yards, and then they got to the real world, and some forty five, fifty year old was like, oh, you went to college. Yeah, forget all of that. We're going to teach you how life really works. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how this really goes down right, in the real world. There's no education that replaces experience. That's right. You, you just can't. Um, especially with college, it will build up your your self-righteous attitude about I'm completely knowledgeable. I am all-knowing. I can tell you how this works and that works. But when you actually put your hand to the plow, there's a more experienced person that's going to laugh and watch you do things wrong and then show you, Hey, this is why that was wrong. But that's what we've done in America is we've really hyped up. Well, in just the modern world, I mean, the heck with America, but we've really hyped up people to get high on education, if you will. And to, um, you can become an expert overnight and you see again, this lover of selves attitude, this self gratifying, self glorifying, 
promotion of, oh, now I'm all knowing now I'm so, and once again, studying, but never finding the truth. We see this in the churches so many times. I don't know how many young people can go through church, have an entire lifetime of education, yet walk out into the world and never knew Christ. Well, it's like a false sense of security, a false sense right. of worth, self-worth, or a false sense of stability in your world saying that you're equipped to take on whatever it is that you need to take on because the information you've already obtained and then you're knowing that well the rest of it's at my fingertips on the internet and so i can access it immediately when that happens and if it comes to the point of my own body at the end of my life either the technology will be there to save me or i can look it up myself and go figure out what i need to do in order to preserve my physical being right and then if i want to get into like beyond death well there's probably some sort of app for that as well you know and it's, it's called the singularity yeah exactly and so which we might get to yeah we will gonna yeah we'll mention that here so but you know those are the things just kind of setting up where we're at and the condition of mankind's heart on the planet but listen we are vulnerable and this is where it's really going to play into as we move towards the tribulation period as we move towards the antichrist coming onto the scene in the world There's several Achilles heels that we have, and we've already mentioned the fallen state of mankind spiritually. We've already mentioned the the false sense of security, the false confidence that we have in ourselves, our own intellect, our own ways and methods and means to gain what we call intellect, Right. never coming to the truth. And there's a few other things that I want to put on top of this. Our dependency for electricity. Right. We're bound to the grid. The grid is our life support. Uh, We have, on top of that, just-in-time delivery for everything, whether it's food, medicine, gasoline, whatever. Everything is just-in-time delivery. And then in today's society, people are incapable of being self-sufficient. Right. They don't have the mindset of homesteading where you're out off the grid, completely disconnected from the civilization. I mean, you have people around you and you kind of barter and trade and help each other out, but we don't have any, I mean, you can go back generations before you get to a point where there was a society across the entire nation that you live in where it's like that. You're going to have to go into the remote corners of the world to find communities that may still be living like that, but in large, the whole world has become very dependent on technology to keep ourselves alive. We are dependent on the grid, on oil and gas, or some sort of renewable source of energy, whether it's wind or solar or tidal or whatever you find yourself. But you're going to pull some electricity out of an outlet somewhere because you got to have refrigeration or have medicine or have some sort of medical devices And that's not even getting into the things that makes us comfortable, like air conditioning and television and our phones and news and entertainment. I'm just talking about life in general. And so we are dependent on this type of technology now. Well, if you look back a couple of years ago, a hurricane hit uh, Puerto Rico. I forgot what I forgot when exactly Puerto Rico got hit. But overnight, it became this this conversation of, oh, these poor people, which yes, I mean, you and I live in a hurricane zone. We've come home to, you know, trees being down and trucks being wrecked and windows broken, all that kind of stuff. Cars damaged. And yeah, there's aftermath with hurricanes. I'm not saying that, you know, it's not, but overnight it became, oh, you know, the power grid's down in Puerto Rico. So the power grid is down and 
Oh, these people have to live without electricity. What are they going to do? Oh, they have to live without electricity. What are they going to do? Never mind that for thousands of years, human beings lived without electricity. It's a very new advent. So really the question isn't, what are they going to do? It's more of, I mean, are we so removed from our roots, if you will, that we can't handle life without electricity? We got to send millions down there. Well, you know, we got to get them electricity. But it's the point that people, the society is dependent on the technology. And for the record, it's it was, a drug. Yeah. And it was uh, Hurricane Michael. That was the hurricane that wreaked the devastation down there. And it was horrible. And right. Pe- it was a mess. And people died. And you're right. It, it just basically knocked them back into the early 1800s because everything went down. There was only a few generators that were left running to try to keep some type of uh, utility on, whether it's cell phone or some emergency electricity and things of that nature. Well, see, I'd be more worried about water. As yeah. long as everybody has water, well, it's that's a step one. Well, the elderly and the vulnerable are the ones that are going to have the most need for some sort of right. sustenance of care that requires electricity to drive. And, yeah, and that's, yeah, I mean, people who are younger or middle-aged or tough, I mean, yeah, they're going to be fine. It's just uncomfortable and you don't want to be there. Yeah. But you're very young, you're very old, or the vulnerable medically, those are the ones that you really have to watch out for. And again, our society has become dependent, you know, and also it goes into the psychological load that you'd be under if you lose the grid. It's not just about, oh, well, I'm hot. It becomes something that really wears on you mentally. I'm not sure anybody listening, if you can recall how long have you gone without some sort of comfort of, you know, whatever heat or air conditioning or I don't know where you are in the world, but whatever you need to sustain yourself, have you ever gone without it? And how long have you done it? And how did you feel? If I can use that word feel, how was your emotions and mental state after a while? It's like, you know what? I want to go home. I want to take a shower and I want to go lay in my bed. Right. You know, I want to watch TV or do what I want to do. Uh, enough with this. So there's a lot of things that we are dependent on even mentally. And we've been whatever program condition, however you want to call it. But there's a lot of things that are coming, and I just want to start kind of getting into some of these things that are upon us. You know, there's a lot of talks. Let's go right to the cell phones because that's probably the most common and the most intrusive type of technology that we've come accustomed to and, as you said earlier, addicted to. And now we have the advent of 5G, which there's dangers there, and I encourage everyone to go do their own research. It's available I don't think there's much conspiracy to it. I think there's plenty of proof, but what is society going to do? Well, they're just going to accept it because we want faster speeds. You know, we want quicker access to the information because that's what we've been programmed to want to have. Well, now there's something sinister on the heels of 5G. And you would think we had 3G, 4G, 5G. Well, what do you think would come next? Well, it's not 6G. They're calling it G6 or Genesis 6 or 6 Genesis. It's this thing that they're calling it. Well, if you go back, and this is a little foreshadowing to what we're going to talk about next episode, but that's where you get the giants. You know, as a little homework, a little study before the next episode that comes out, go look at Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. Now, why would they call it Genesis 6 versus just calling it 6G? Why would they do that? I don't know. It's a good question. But they did it. So we'll talk more about Genesis 6 in our next episode. But the adverse impacts both medically upon us of the 5G and what we're being exposed to with some radiation and that type thing. And then 
the other sinister hook of all of the spying and invasive technology into our world that is studying our habits and even controlling and modding our habits, that's very concerning. It's not good. It's really not, but it's completely all up in our business. Well, and 5G was so interesting because people were so determined they did not want this, that they were burning down the 5G towers. They were doing everything they can to keep this from coming, yet for some reason it was getting pushed ahead anyway. Now, be it a corporate agenda of, hey, we've already determined this and we're going to move this way because it helps us do a faster network and you know we can provide more or whatever. Or if you want to get really conspiratorial, it's a government plant to you know, achieve a more sinister goal, like you said, and therefore the government's giving them the money and the tech and saying, get this stuff up now. But there was a huge pushback of, we don't want this. And then on the other side, a pushback of you're getting it anyway. Right. It just, it was installed. It was like the smart meters. Right. It didn't matter if you didn't want one or not, you're getting one. You're going to get a smart meter in your house. And so we have all kinds of devices and things that are being thrust into our scene. We now have uh, self-driving cars that are being thrust into our society. Well, in places like California are passing laws that require certain things in vehicles. Like, what is it, by 2035, there's no more uh, fossil fuel burning vehicles allowed in California? That's according to the governor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want any more oil and gas driven vehicles. They only want, I guess, electric vehicles, but- I mean, not to get all the way down in the weeds on that, but from what I understand that it's even more of a load and a toll on emissions of the amount of electricity that has to be generated to charge up all those vehicles versus having the gasoline or diesel or even propane driven type vehicles. Right. But the point being that there's technology that we want and then there's technology we're being fed. Well, and even as this just came into my mind as we're talking, but even as we're sitting here recording right now, this is in October, late October, that there's fires going on in California and the electricity um, utility plant, they're going to have to go through rolling brownouts and even blackouts to something like a million people in California because of the fires. Right. What happens if all you have is an electric vehicle to get out of town and it's not charged up? Right. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. And, oh, don't worry. They'll have solar panels on top of the hoods of the vehicles. I'm sorry. Your area is blacked out in soot and smoke. Right. I say ash clouds. Yeah. No, no sun for you, you know? I, I don't know. This is just things on my mind. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. Can you use a solar charger? Can you pull, quote unquote, solar energy off of a, the light and heat of a fire? You could probably get some of the little bit heat. Yeah, it it wouldn't be like the sun, but you no, could maybe get a little all. bit, but not enough to drive a car. Um, you know, other things that are coming. Uh, biometrics. We've known about biometrics for a long time. Right. Eye scans, of course, the fingerprint, things of that nature. Voice, voice activation, but biometrics are becoming a bigger, bigger deal into our identification, our security, our right uh, authenticity of who you are. It's like we don't want any type of stolen identity. So the more that we get from you to make sure that it is you, the better. So if I get some blood and some urine, maybe a stool sample, okay, well, you can go ahead and buy your groceries today. Right. Well, and, and I don't know if you ever heard the stories from uh, Bob Lazar. He's a guy that supposedly worked at Area 51 and came out and was trying to whistleblow it, and the government wrecked his life pretty much. One of the things he was claiming back in, oh, man, the 70s or 80s, I forgot whenever he came out, 
originally, but he was claiming that Area 51 was using a hand scanner to identify people. So you didn't swipe a badge. You put your hand on this plate, and what it did was it measured the bones in your hand and their you know, construction because the, uh, the shape and length of your hand is supposedly more identifiable than a fingerprint. And they were denying it, denying it, denying it, saying, yeah, that doesn't exist. And then like 25 years later, it just came out declassified as, yeah, that was a thing that was being used, you know, years ago. And then, so there's another one past the hand scanner. Uh, they can identify a person from a thousand yards away based on the way you walk. Right. Your swagger, the way you take a well, step, your body movement. And there was, and while we're on that topic, um, I believe it was the FBI or some government agency has the capability with a laser. Um, I wrote this down. The government can use this laser from 200 yards away to look at how your heart is beating right. in order to identify who you are. It's not even about facial recognition anymore. They can aim something, look through your clothes, look through your, your skin, your rib cage and bone and everything, and then get down to your heart and the actual way that it's moving or beating or the rhythm of it, they can ID you. So you can do whatever you want to your outer, to go into disguise, facial hair, no facial hair, hoodie, you know, it's dark at night, I'm wearing paint and I've got a hood over my face with a helmet and I'm inside of my car. You know, I don't know, but if they can penetrate all these different layers of clothing and things of that nature, they can find you out. They know who you are. And this is kind of a, I don't want to say a scary thing, but it's very ominous. It's very concerning. I guess that's the best way I know how to put it. We, well, in 2020, everybody's walking around with a mask on. Right. And yeah, they have tech that mask doesn't matter. Yeah, facial recognition. <laughs> We're looking yeah. at your heartbeat. It's you like, know? what are you, the sci-fi channel? Yeah. Facial wreck. Yeah, facial wreck. Yeah, you need to watch that cholesterol. <laughs> right. You <laughs> but, see, in every time, that could be a fantastic medical technology, but technology is always weaponized first. Absolutely. Every time. Well, that's what drives it. Right. How can we use this to get advantage on our enemies and take over and expand our territory? Because the companies that are developing it are looking for the government contracts because there's so much money in there. Right. And I want to kind of continue merging some of this stuff in, talk about the great convergence. It is basically like body hacking and technology augmentation of the body. You know, we started seeing it with like smart bit. Let me back up a piece. Social media, social media. Right. Whenever that was injected into our world, I don't know, wherever you want to say that social media began, I don't know. I don't know if it was like with the text message or if it was with the online old school, um, what was it called? Yak. I think it was this thing called Yak, like back in the 90s, you could get on dial up and try to go on this old school looking platform and try to find a stranger to start typing to. You know, and then like I think in modern times, some of the earlier platforms we think about, maybe like MySpace or something. And I don't know if there was another platform before then that really caught on Friendster. And then you kind of start coming forward to where we have all this stuff that we've already mentioned, Facebook, you you mentioned TikTok, Instagram, uh, all this stuff. Okay. We, We can start just dropping them all down. Here's the thing about them is that it's consumed us. Now we're driven to act and behave and respond and react and have feelings towards whatever it is that's being produced through these platforms. Well, and again, the thing about these platforms is it goes back to that lovers of self. Mm -hmm. It's you promoting you all day long, doing stuff for likes and for follows so as to become 
uh, what's the word where you get the, the blue check, you become certified or I forgot the word for it. Um, but you get the little blue check next to your name saying that, Oh, verified. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that you've been verified. You're the real deal and you're a cool guy and you've got 700,000 followers. So people should follow you. Right. And think about what you're doing as a participant in these type of things is that basically you're going in and you're building out a profile about yourself right? and you're uploading it for the world to see. And even more for the sinister controllers behind the big tech. And this is information people used to hide. Yeah. You're willfully giving it out. What your preferences are, what makes you angry, what makes you happy, what is important to you, what your priorities are. Yeah. The political landscape of your life and, on and on and on it goes. And here's my children and I'm related to them and I see them this much and I don't like them anymore, you know? And so you're building out this profile, which goes right into the metadata that's being mined for a bigger purpose of AI. Okay. And the AI, they look at all of this across the entire spectrum of the globe and they can start identifying trends in certain areas of the world certain countries, certain states, certain cities, certain demographic types of people, whether it's age, race, color, creed, whatever religion, whatever sexual preference, whatever those things may be, they can start saying, oh, these people start looking and acting and behaving and reacting in this manner whenever this is done to them. And then now they can get into these algorithms of predictive programming and even predicting how things are going to go down and even predicting the future because they've already fingerprinted how people behave. And so therefore they would have a really good understanding about how things are probably going to go down in society if this were to happen or that were to happen. And it's all because we're just willfully giving up the information, our private life. Why? Because of vanity, because we seek attention, because we want others to pat us on the head and say, oh, you're so beautiful. Or man, you're amazing. Or I wish I could be like you. Like you want to become an idol and people, and you want people to idolize you. And that is the motivation to give up this information for it to be weaponized against society. Well, and also, so let's look at it like this. Used to, used to, like 20 years ago, say, there were companies that the company's whole thing was they would go to high schools. They, as high school kids walk by, they're like, hey, you got a minute we can talk? You know, and they would check with the police in the school and they knew they were there. It was all legit, right? And they would say, hey, do you got a minute to talk? Sure. Hey, do you like this? Hey, do you like this? Do you like this clothing brand or this clothing brand? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Here's a $25 gift card. Thanks. And they would take all that information they got from high school kids and they would, you know, write down, oh, they were in this city. Um, it's a white kid or a black kid or what Asian kid, whatever. And they'd write down all the information and then write down the preferences and they would sell it to corporate America. And that was a multi-million dollar business. Right. It was like uh, market research and exactly. surveying. So what you have with Facebook, if you ever watched the movie, um, the social network, which is basically the story of how Facebook was started. He has Facebook, which is just a thing he makes up for him and his friends. And they're passing it around the school, emailing it to people and it's growing. Oh, that's cool. Well, then he goes out to California and has a business meeting with some investors and they invest. Uh, I don't, I'm going to make up a number. So like $150 million or something, right? Like some obscene amount of money, millions for what? For a website that him and his friends make little profiles on and you know what I'm saying? That's not what they invested in. They didn't invest in Facebook. They invested in the fact that people are giving up their own information and it's market research to the extreme. And also you're addicted to it, which uh, let's just go into this one more time. So the, the wall on Facebook, the way you scroll, 
and it's ever feeding something new as you scroll down, scroll down. When you find something you like, it activates the reward center of the brain. Like, aha, I found it. And it releases, you know, dopamine, serotonin, it releases those reward chemicals in your brain, which obviously everybody's addicted to that. And that's what creates addictions. And so you keep scrolling and you'll spend hours just scrolling and scrolling and you'll pass through 90% of just crap to find that next thing that you like to get that little reward trigger in your brain and you don't even know what's happening. But because it's addictive and because you're hooked on it, you're going to keep scrolling. You're going to spend more time on the website. You're going to give them more information via games or just quick little you know things you click on or whatever, people that you follow. Like, oh, if I follow uh, Gerard Butler, Anna Kendrick, and uh, Tom Cruise, well, okay, well, nine times out of 10, if you like a celebrity, you'll agree with anything they tell you to agree with. So the things that they're pushing, like with Tom Cruise, say it's Scientology, suddenly you'll start getting Scientology ads and they charge Scientology to advertise to you. And so it's a money factory. Well, yeah, and I want to kind of go further down this rabbit hole here with the different types of connections. And, and it's interesting. We call it the interweb or the interwebs or the internet. Right. Think about that. A web, a net. And so we're becoming like cell phone zombies. We can't communicate in person anymore. And we're more disconnected than ever. So in the meantime, this sets up a perfect victim type mindset for the Antichrist to come and prey upon. And we have issues where we can't have relationships with people because we have them through technology. So it has to go through this filtering, through this alteration versus direct communication with people and community. And then we start turning more to like avatars instead of ourselves. Right. And so we even start looking at things like Alexa or Hey Google or Siri and stuff like that. We start having these relationships with AI. And now it's becoming even more crazy and sinister at that, that now there's sex robots that exist. You know, I mean, it's like we're stepping all the way across the entire spectrum of not just a stimulation of the mind or of the emotion, because those are definitely hooked in with Facebook. You get emotionally charged or you get stimulated in the mind if it's something that you think is fascinating or you feel like you're learning something. But now we're moving it over to even gratifying the flesh in these sex robots. And like you already mentioned, and then as you go down this gauntlet, you have the ads. They're tracking you. They're trending what's going on. There's right. even things where they can read your facial expressions while you're looking upon something. to. So you don't even have to even send something out like, I disagree with that or I strongly support this. They can see your facial response to it. And like Xbox Connect is one of those types of devices that exist. It can actually look through walls and they can see heartbeat, heat. If you start getting hot, if you start getting cold, movements and things like that, you start getting jittery or if you start kind of going to sleep and getting lulled. And these are things that exist. It sounds crazy, but these things you're being examined, you're being studied. And the information that's gained, the metadata however you're sending it out, even just your participation sends out that data that they can look at. Well, and even um, Samsung TVs a couple years ago, were fa- it was in the fine print that, hey, don't do anything crazy in front of the TV because the Skype camera is always recording and they're selling it. And the microphone is recording. And the microphone is always recording. But, and that's the way it is with your phone. That's the way it is with your Alexa. That's the way it is with everything and it's all in the fine print, that big, like 40 pages 
that you flip to the bottom and click I agree under terms and conditions. Those terms and conditions were I signed up. <laughs> we're always recording. We're yeah. always watching. If you want to use this product, you have to allow it. And you just clicked I agree at the end just so you could play with the new thing that the world told you you needed. And you surrendered legally. You surrendered freedom. Right. And you surrendered privacy. There was either either a government agency head like a deputy director or director or was a military commander of some sort in the u.s that was in front of a hearing and it was open and i I can't remember who it was but you can go look it up because they were basically saying that your washing machine your refrigerator your appliances in your kitchen will be spying on you right through all of this smart technology and that's something that you would think is just funny that the toaster is spying on me but it exists everything is connected now it's a commercial they talk about how convenient that it is and there's this one commercial that comes to my mind and there's there's a husband and a wife they're both in their own independent cars and they're trying to drive somewhere but you don't know where and so the husband starts talking about i don't know if it's alexa or whoever says set the temperature to 75 degrees start the whatever it is the oven or heat up preheat the oven and turn on the television to this or whatever he's saying he's sending these voice commands while he's driving his vehicle for his house to respond and then do all these things about locking the doors or turning on the security lights outside and and then come to find out it almost looks like he's about to get home but his wife then pulls in the driveway and he's in some other city and so he was just kind of getting ahead of her so that way his wife can come home to a safe and secure home that's completely connected to this network that locks the home down like it's a fortress. And he's going to let his precious wife go into this home and be protected in the, in the fort, you know, the castle and and all of this stuff is interconnected. And where now you have cameras and mics that are in your home that are being monitored by who? I don't know. Well, you see, and that's the other thing. How do you get somebody to agree to buy a refrigerator that has a, a computer on the door of it, a giant iPad, if you will, big touch screen that links to the internet. Right. How do you get them to do this? Well, you make an app for it that puts it on their phone. So you can say, Oh, I told my refrigerator remind me to get eggs, but then I'm at the grocery store. Man, what did I need? Let me bring up my refrigerator app. And oh, right there. I needed eggs, bacon, biscuits, obviously breakfast. (laughs) I just went on a list of breakfast foods. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying, though? You have to sell it to people somehow. How does this work for you? I mean, obviously, it works for corporations because they're gaining information. Well, yeah. And then you talked about grocery stores. We now have these rewards cards where it watches everything that you're buying. I don't have one. That's all logged in. Um, But going back to the technology, I mean, we're getting into body hacking. We're getting into this type of stuff where, like, it started off real popular with the smart bit. You know, the smart bit is like monitoring your health. How many calories am I burning? What is my steps per oh, the day? Fitbit? Yeah, the Fitbit. And right. you know, we're, we're looking at all this stuff. So now our, our biometrics, our, our bio uh, habits, if you will, of how much activity do we have today? How much downtime do we have today? And then all this is going into where it's being, again, the metadata. And we're becoming more and more attached. Instead of going the other way, being more self-sufficient, we're becoming more attached to this technology to function. And we're like, we're becoming, you know, relying on it um, in order to feel, I don't know, safe or secure. Like if you leave your house and you forget your phone at at your house, but you're going to drive away, how far would you go before you turn around and go back and get it? I mean, it's like, oh, I don't have my phone. I got to go back and get it. 
Right. And I got into this with my brother-in-law. He and I were having a conversation about smart tech and, you know, metadata and people, you know, the government and corporations watching you. And he was like, dude, it all just goes into a stupid server somewhere. Like nobody's actually sitting there watching the camera on your Alexa. And I was like, yeah, but it's listening for keywords. And whenever a keyword comes up and somebody punches into the metadata, Hey, we're looking for, uh, let's say barbecue. You know, we want to advertise barbecue. Who's in it? Oh, well, Alexa's got video of you talking about the barbecue you like. Well, now they can advertise their barbecue to you. Or if you want to get a little more sinister, let's say you have a free thought or opinion that doesn't necessarily jive with the government. Well, Alexa heard you telling your buddy about it sitting in your living room or, you know, just your cell phone was listening to you because you were talking on your phone or you were, you're were even texting it. Basically, you're expressing an opinion, which goes under free speech but it doesn't go with what the government likes. And so now you're on a list that you don't even know about. Sure. So, which is another reason I don't agree with uh, gun registration, right? Registration historically only leads to confiscation. And if you're not going to confiscate it or enact some other kind of control on it, there's no re- reason to register it. They're not going to give out free ones. Hey, you got five ARs. Here's a free one. Well, that gets into the point also like hacking of all of these type of different technologies, whether it's a self-driving car whether it's some sort of automated electrical plant sending out electricity to the homes or smart meters, different things with our cameras, all this stuff that's going in is that you can have things that are hacked and take, you know, taken over, taken control, taken advantage of. Uh, There was a website uh, that was producing um, the name and their home address of all the people that supported or contributed to Donald Trump's campaign. And so if someone felt like, well, I want to go do something to those people, well, let's just put out on the, on the internet. And this is something where now we're getting into things that could be dangerous for people's security safety because of this, you know, so all those things are are very, it makes us vulnerable. I think that's the main point that I'm trying to, you know, get home here is that it makes us vulnerable and it's not necessarily worth the convenience to have this vulnerability to our own safety and our own lives and our own privacy. And we become so self-centered and self-focused that we want more comfort, more comfort, more comfort, instead of saying, you know what, let me just do this on my own. Let me just, I just want a refrigerator that keeps things cold. I need two sections. I need one where it freezes and one where it doesn't freeze, but everything's cold. That's all I need. Right. I don't need it to tell me when I need to go to the store and go buy some more milk. I know when I need to go get more milk. Like, I I got that. Thank you. Just keep it cold and keep it from spoiling when I put the milk in there. It doesn't need to lecture me. It doesn't need to spy and then upload what my habits are of how often I buy milk. Who cares how often I buy milk? I'll buy milk when I want to buy milk. It gets into a point where we become, again, for the sake of convenience, we willfully give up ourselves, our life, and we just make ourselves subservient and subjective to whoever's controlling the big tech. And every time I go and I start studying this stuff, and this is my own opinion, is that when you get up to the tippy top of these corporations that are interfacing with governments, it's not good. Right. It's not good. You also have the situation of, um, what was it last year? There was a person who hacked into a nanny cam or security camera mounted inside of a, I think it was like a three or five year old kid's room and started talking to them through the speaker on the camera. And just saying all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but some really, you know, pedo kind of stuff. And the kid was kind of worried. And I think he was saying stuff like, oh, it's Santa Claus. You've been naughty or whatever, you know, and ran and found their mom. And it was all over the news. And the mom was freaking out. 
Well, that's only possible because there's a back door in the camera. Yes. You know, why is your camera on the internet? Yeah. For any reason. Yeah, and that's just one small example, and that's just an individual out there hacking and tapping in and controlling. Right, playing around. We're not talking about what happens when the Antichrist gets in charge, gets control of this technology that's already been just simply implanted into society and in humans' lives 100% of your time. And speaking of that, we talk about the Antichrist and what is he probably most known for in the Bible? Well, the mark of the beast. And that's another thing where we see technology taking us to is a cashless society. We become more dependent on things that are not cash and even getting away from debit and credit cards. We're getting closer to things where you wave some type of chip in front of a scanner or some sort of biometric, or you have some sort of online account and system with whatever type of outfit, whatever type of store. I mean, think about online shopping. Right. You don't swipe a card anywhere. You just have the information. You put the information in. Now you're open for business and you can go through that outlet whenever you want. Like, oh, there's something else I want. We'll just throw that in the shopping cart and hit, yeah, send to my house. You're not doing anything. You're not You're not giving anybody cash money. Hey, I'm going to count out so many $20 bills and here's your change. Or yeah, let me swipe my magnetic strip credit card across this magnetic reader or I'm going to mail you a check. Everything is all online and it stores your information and it knows who you are because you have some sort of authorization of, you know, identification, whether it's a password or a pin number or something, but that's where we're at right now. But where we're headed is far more advanced towards the mark of the beast. Right. Because I'm on my third. Yeah. The third time this year in 2020, my credit card has been hacked. So right now, if I swipe my credit card is dead, they're mailing me a new one. It's the third time this year it's happened. And literally the card that's in my wallet that they just killed is two weeks old. That's how quickly is getting hacked. So when you move to a cashless society, there's going to be a huge security cry for something better that's unhackable. And you're going to see the opening for a new technology that we're not even aware of yet, but guaranteed it's in place somewhere. So you want to, we always talk about the mark of the beast and how you have to have it to buy and to sell. What does it look like? Oh, it could be an RFID in your hand. Well, that's again, just computer generated numbers that can be hacked right? and can be replicated and can be counterfeited. So there's something yet to come in the name of security that's going to be strong armed on you. Yeah. Well, we're already moving towards a cashless society right right now. We have the coin shortages that we've mentioned in perilous days. Supposed coin shortages. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a coin shortage for sure, but because of COVID is what it's supposedly about. Right. I think that's just cover for what they're trying to push, which is the cashless society. And you look at Sweden, they are leading the way near 99% cashless at this point. And again, this is right now current. Where are we pointing? We're pointing in a direction to go cashless. We're pointing in a direction to where cash becomes a dinosaur. It's dirty money. It's not clean. It's not sanitary. We're programmed to associate cash with like criminal activity, whether it's drugs or some sort of contraband or some sort of illegal, illicit activity, cash for service, cash for product type thing. So that looks taboo. Instead, it's like, let's get this safe and secure through our incorporated banks and 
now you're doing business through a trusted banking system and everything is quote unquote transparent. Well, yeah, transparent. It's completely tracked and traced. And so I'm not saying that we can't use banking accounts that are online and interacting with these different whatever stores that you order items from, but let's recognize the vulnerability in it. That's my point. We're being herded like cattle towards this cashless society. The ultimate end goal is the mark of the beast. But think about it. If we do away with cash right now and then your account is hacked and they have to shut it down, but there's no cash available, where does that leave you and your family to be able to go and purchase things that you need to maintain life and to have sustenance. I'm not even talking about, again, entertainment. Usually whenever I'm talking about purchasing and living, usually I'm not talking about things that make you comfortable. I'm talking about, we just need some food here. You know, right. I need, to, I need to pay for the electricity. I need to go ahead and get this medicine or I need to you know get fuel so I can travel to work and basic necessities of life. But if you're shut down because someone hacked your system, it's like you were saying, the demand for something that's secure so that way I can do banking and Start I can, screaming. Yeah, we're yeah. What does it take to secure this up? And whatever it is that comes out, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be something far more advanced than I think just an RFID chip. Right. And so in the late nineties, when I was a kid, probably like around junior higher, there was a show on TV. It's called Batman Beyond. It's a cartoon. And it's Batman in the future. So Batman is Terry McGinnis, not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's an old man and he kind of falls back into the role, kind of like what Alfred played sitting at home on the computer talking to, you know, actual Batman over the radio. And so, but it, everything was futuristic and they tried to project what the future is going to look like. And one big thing that they did was there was no cash. Everything was cards, right? They called them uh, creds or cred cards or whatever. They took the IT off the end. instead of credit. It was just cred. So everything was cashless. And the way they came up with for, hey, you got to tip your, your bus boy or whatever, right? Was everybody in a service role had card swipers and they would take, swipe your card right there in their hand just to get their tips, you know, because there's no cash. You can't tip the valet or whatever. So everybody in a service role had a card swiper. They could swipe it. And that's kind of how they did that. Well, now you have stuff like Cash App, not only just Cash App, where you can send money to a friend just like cash. Hey, here's 20 bucks. Here's 1295 that I owe you for the pizza or whatever. But now you also have stuff like Apple pay where you're going through the grocery store. You know, they always run the commercial with the dad. It's got two kids, like twins, one in each arm and he, he can't get to his wallet, but he's got his phone in his hand luckily. And he can just reach down and boop, tap his phone on the, on the swiper and Apple pay Apple paid for it because you already put a credit card on your Apple account. And so the phone Bluetooth or whatever the, whatever the tech is to that system and pays for it. Just like the chip on your car, just tapping your phone on there. They call it Apple pay. They also have a few other versions of the same thing, but that's coming around now to where you want to give money to somebody else. Oh, beep, boop. There, there's, there's your money. You want to pay for something without your wallet, wave your phone over it like a magic tech wand and just, woo, there it is. It's paid for. And I'll pay the bill later online yeah, digitally. Well, and there's even, back to the body hacking and things like that, there's even corporations, especially in Europe that are now going straight to chipping employees 
in order to allow them to have access to certain areas of their facility right, yeah. or badging in, badging out for whatever. Instead of like punching time cards, it's you wave your chip in your hand. And so that's already in them. And then if they want to go further to take it to like what you're saying, you just wave your hand because it'll be in the back of your right hand or forehead. And right. that's it. Transaction done. Transaction secured. There's no reason for a pin number because it's in your body. Well, and we also always talk about uh, Mark of the Beast being something that's in your body or put on your body or something like that. It could just be consent. Like you consented to let your biometrics get put into the system and they either scan your hand or your head. That's just the way the system works. Yeah. You know, but your consent is the acceptance. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of interesting things to watch for in the arena of buying and selling combined with technology as you're considering the mark of the beast. It's going to be a very interesting and very telling type of situation. And even right here, as we're recording right here, right now, the technology that exists to make this happen, not only does it exist, but the, oh man, I don't even know how to say this, the very means and the spectrum, the gamut that they could run to make this happen, it's like they have so many options, so many directions that they could take this and stuff that would blow our mind and saying, wow, I didn't know that even existed, but well, now here, here it is for everybody. Well, the infrastructure of it is already in place underneath the current system as a substructure. All you have to do is pull the current system off the top and it's there. It's already set up. I absolutely 100% believe that. Now, can I prove it? I cannot prove it, but Given the timeline that we feel like and we believe the end times operates on, which I personally believe, I know you do also, the time frame that we're running down to and the way we're seeing things coming up and what we know about corporations and how they always plan for the future and they get the future entirely set up before they announce it, I absolutely believe that the entirety of the B system is already in place as a substructure that at any point in time, the current infrastructure can be lifted off and it'll be operational. Right. And- Kind of segueing to the next step beside the Antichrist and Mark of the Beast, there's another person um, with him, the false prophet. And then there's also something mentioned about the image of the beast. You go back and read Revelation. We talked about it right. in our series, uh, the prophecy series. But this image, and I've always wondered what that would be like, especially studying it back in the early 90s when I was looking at it for the first time real hard and, and trying to consider what it could be. And it talks about, and he gave life to the image to cause it to speak and to basically come alive and, and be animated, if you will. And I've oftentimes wondered, okay, what could this be? And I'm thinking of two things maybe combined. And so I don't want to look beyond AI, artificial intelligence, right? and then also maybe holograms. And the best way that I know how to portray this is going to a video game that was very popular years ago in the video game Halo, where you have the main character who's Master Chief, and then you have his helper, which is an, an AI, and it's Cortana. Right. And if you want to take it to the movies, maybe like Jarvis and Iron Man, and there's this interacting with this direct help and it's almost like it's a companion. It's kind of tied back into what we were talking about before relationships online through Alexa and Siri and Hey Google and stuff like that. And I believe that that could already be available. And there was this, um, as far as the hologram, there's this operation um, project blue beam 
where, and just go look at that for yourself. I'm not going to get into all the details of all this stuff because this episode would never end if we did all that. But right. there was um, Project Bluebeam where things were being projected up into the sky at night and it looked real. And some of the imagery was like a city that was floating up above the ground, like up around where the clouds are supposed to be. There's a city up there and it looked real. Yeah. And how could they use the sky to project a, a scene, an image, almost like the sky was the projector screen. Like you're going to go to the movies, like a drive-in theater. You have this monster thing, like an IMAX theater, just two, three, four story tall screen that an image is being projected upon. Well, now they're using the sky and it goes almost from, you know, one horizon to the other horizon. And what can you do to deceive people with an image like that? They're looking at it with their own eyes and they can't believe it. Like how did, how was that created? And what could you do to deceive people like that? The image of the beast causing fire to come down from heaven or lying signs, miracles and wonders in the skies. I mean, Think about the technology that already exists that the Antichrist can use to deceive many. But I just want to kind of throw that out on the table there as we're kind of segueing through things that the Antichrist might do. Well, and also um, you were saying about the AI and kind of like Cortana or Jarvis from Iron Man, like that assistant helper. I mean, one, we already have that through again, Siri, Hey Google. Microsoft actually released Cortana as a uh, AI helper on their Microsoft phones. There you go. Um, or Windows phones. Oregon Alexa. So you already kind of have that. So that's stage one. But we always talked a lot about, well, in life, but then in the prophecy series, how everything that the, uh, the devil does, it's a, uh, a forgery of God, right? It's his own version of God. You have the unholy trinity and stuff like that. We talked about how the Antichrist um, will suffer a mortal wound yet survive. So he'll die and come back from the dead. So it's all a forgery of the things of God. If you have an AI like say Jarvis or whatever, that's either one, just on your phone all the time, but two, possibly implanted, like say in the back of your ear or something where you can always hear it, or maybe it even works in concert with the mark of the beast. What you have is one, a mockery of the Holy Spirit, which works, mockery of the Holy Spirit, that, that small connection to the greater that's always with you. And then two, you also have a unsleeping, unending spy, tattletale, you know, whatever, that's always reporting on you, that's always checking on you, always keeping you in line. And at the same time, is that always keeping you blinded to the truth? Because once you accept the mark of the beast, you will be disconnected from God anyway. Right. That technology would prevent one from knowing God, knowing the truth, knowing salvation. And could this happen you mentioned implant, the medical technology that exists today, things like implants, uh, heart pacemakers, we've been doing that for decades. Right. That's old. Things like synthetic organs, that's a little bit more modern. They're doing now actually in, I want to say it was UTMB in Galveston, they just managed to grow lung tissue where they can create lungs outside of a body. That's what I'm talking about there. Before it was something that was an actual metal, metallic, or polymer device right. that has a battery and its own energy source within it. Now we're getting into, oh, what do you need? It's almost like we're a, a vehicle, an automobile that needs a, a starter replacement or, yeah, I need a fuel pump, a water pump, a starter. 
or an upgrade. Yeah. Or yeah, I want a lift kit or I want better speakers or I can hear better, whatever. Are we getting to a point now that we can go and have these things replaced? I mean, we talk about transplants, right? So you have a cadaver or, or a live donor that donates whatever, a kidney or lung tissue or a liver or a heart. And now we're getting into things, well, could it be that we could replace eyes, replace your ear? Like if you have a problem and someone's deaf and both ears or one ear. And it's like, where does this stop? Now, this this is really good stuff from a standpoint of helping people live and have a better a better quality of life. Okay, I'm not slamming on that. Well, but also you could be like a diver and get a set of lungs that have a higher expansion rate so you can hold more air while you're diving. Yeah. And when you get into what this could be, when you start looking at it from a sinister standpoint, right? that's the direction that I'm talking about. That's the direction that I'm looking at is what happens whenever you have, again, the antichrist and his system using this technology to do what he wants done for Satan's will. I'm not trying to be negative towards someone who needed a transplant to stay alive and you know they want to live or someone was badly injured in some wreck and they're in need of medical attention and man this technology is great i'm not even slamming on it it's it's miraculous type stuff yeah but the point is is that what happens if someone that's in control of the insurance and the hospitals and the medical industry that's making all this stuff starts putting in these back doors or putting in things that are programmable or stuff that can send them information that they need or if there's some sort of kill switch that is installed with them or something i mean i'm just throwing stuff out there i'm not saying that it all exists but who's to say that it cannot exist well and you also have a beautiful representation of the expression the road to hell is paved with good intentions so you have all these great technologies that are invented for, quote unquote, the furthering of mankind by good hearted people. I believe that most times in most cases, especially with medical breakthroughs, I really feel like, hey, it's medical. One, the corporate side, you know, the hospital corporations want the advancement so they can charge more. But I feel like the doctors working on it, you know, they might I, they literally have a passion for this. They really want to help people. But it's good intentions, but they're unaware of how it's going to be used and what it's going to turn into one day. Well, they're not leading and driving the industry. Exactly. It's above them. They're the ones that are the people that have their hands directly on the information and technology and then to make it happen. But the designers of it, the progenitors of it, they're elsewhere, you know, and, and what right. is their aim? What is their goal? Well, when you develop a tech for a company, you've normally like pretty much every time, signed away the rights of it already. The company paid for the, you know, the lab and everything. They're paying you. They paid for all the materials. They own anything that comes out of your research. You don't. So you do all this great work to develop this great thing. And then, like we said earlier, it gets weaponized. Everything gets weaponized first. Correct. Look, um, another transition here. I don't think that we can have this bizarre tech episode and not talk about CERN. <laughs> all right, just this one. Yeah, we have to talk about CERN, right? Uh, bizarre tech... CERN is definitely bizarre technology. CERN is a lot of fun. Every time you study CERN, you have scientific people that are going, oh, dude, they're just doing science. That's all there. We can explain the science. There's, you, there's nothing sinister. And then you have this conspiracy theory guys who are saying, oh, yeah, well, when that science happens, what is really happening is, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's I, just I funny. Would, yeah. There are some things that are definitely on the surface that are identifiably demonic. Like right. it's iconic mascot if you will shiva which is the destroyer we're talking about a demon here man right 
Let's start out with that. That's the emblem. <laughs> this the Shiva the Destroyer. You know, so I don't know what that's all about. There was a quote that came from one of the scientists that's involved with CERN, and I just wrote the quote down directly. Actually, he said he had several quotes. We have no idea what we are doing. Yeah. The next quote is, we just take orders. The next quote is, we might open something and it may never close. Right. I didn't say this. This is stuff coming from the people who are saying it. I had to write it down. I even put quotes in my notes here so that way I didn't mess anything up or mistranslate anything. But this is the information that we're getting from the people who are doing this stuff. What is going on with CERN? Well, again, Um, somebody else is always paying the bill and everything you find belongs to whoever paid the bill. Right. I don't fully understand CERN. I don't know what all they're doing. I can tell you some of the things that I've seen as their project that they're working on, discovery of dark matter, right? discovery of different dimensions or different parallel universes, um, sources of energy, um, also things that could impact our geomagnetic shielding on the planet to maybe protect us from any type of pulses or bursts of energy or waves of energy. So these are the things that I've seen that it may be involved with uh, studying the speed of light and protons and different energy particles. So I would imagine that maybe all of those are possible with this machine. Well, and when you say CERN, the thing that everybody thinks of is the LHC, the Large Hydron Collider. Right. They're shooting particles at each other, letting them explode right in front of an array of sensors, and they get a rendering of what it looked like subatomically, and they're trying to find things like the Higgs boson, which they call the uh, the God particle, which they think is the particle that um, makes or made everything be. And supposedly when an atom explodes, the Higgs boson will be there so infinitesimally um, an amount of time that the sensors can hardly, if even, detect it. And so they need better sensors to really find it. But theoretically, it should be there. So it's got to be there. So they keep working on the sensors and they keep exploding atoms so they can keep, uh, well, exploding particles, I'm sorry, so that they can keep looking for it to find it to say, yes, this science is sound or, or whatever to prove things. That's the public eye of CERN. You think of that, but the LHC is one of, what is it? I think three colliders they have. Yeah. Well, I know that they have several particle accelerators, right? Uh, the big one, uh, which is on the Franco Swiss border. And I forgot how many miles wide it is, but it's very large. Oh, it goes through multiple countries. Yeah. And you could look at it yourself, but they're building other ones. I think China's got some things going now. Um, there's another one in Europe, I understand. We have another one that we're either already in service or one that we're going to build in America. So it's not just that one, but that's the big one. That's the famous one. And you have right. all of these nations that are working there. The Vatican's involved as well. I don't know everything about CERN. I don't know everything about what they're trying to do. I don't know what all they've already achieved. I can say definitively... And if you go and look at someone like, uh, I have to throw his name out there, BP Earthwatch. This was years ago. I don't know if he has any videos of late. He had one, but there wasn't any information to watch. Was that um, anytime that CERN would be really cranked up, there would be this imagery of Earth's geomagnetic shield around our Earth, which shields us from the solar winds, solar radiation, yeah. solar bursts, 
gamma radiation from the sun, which is lethal if we didn't have this shielding. But whenever CERN gets really cranked up, at those peak moments, you can see a warping and a disfiguring of our shield where our shields are now down and the earth is compromised. And then you have earthquakes that happen right after that because we're absorbing a whole lot more solar radiation into our planet, which then excites the planet seismically. And then you start having earthquakes. It's very interesting study. It's like turning up the fire on a pot of water. Exactly. And you boil it. Yeah. And these are things that I've looked at and I'm talking about what I can observe through what they're providing us online. And maybe they're going to turn all that stuff off and it's no longer going to be available to look at maybe one day. I don't know. But that's the stuff that I've looked at personally, where you have this coinciding moments. They're not coincidence. It's every time you'll see it. Yeah. Here comes the contortion of our shields and here comes probably going to have an earthquake here pretty quick. And I'm talking big ones like north of a 6.0. So it's very interesting. I don't know what all is going on with CERN, but I do know that it seems kind of sinister. Well, and also you and I talked about back in the heaven episode and we've referenced it a couple of times, this idea of portals. Yes. Interdimensional moving from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. And which is what the Tower of Babel was. And we talked about the theory that theoretically the Tower of Babel, um, because you can't build a tower that reaches off the planet, period, right? But if there's a spiritual portal in the sky where you can move in and out of the spiritual world, realm, dimension, whatever word you want to use, they could have been trying to reach that. So when you say that the doctor from CERN said, we're going to open something up that may never close, you kind of get that same feeling that the idea of, Maybe there's this attempt because you even said they're working toward you know multi universes. Um, there's this attempt to open a portal and just see what you know what it leads to for fun, right? Well, and then also, <laughs> so why don't we have people falling into or you know planes flying through portals or whatever? Well, because I would say you know God closed them up, right? God removed that from the planet. Man's trying to reach them, get them out of here. So we've already said that demons are running the world. Right back in the demons episode, we talked about how the world has been given over to evil for a time until the end times when it becomes reconciled back to God. He takes it back to himself and the God of the old Testament, who's very active in the lives of men is not the God of the new Testament where the Holy spirit has come down and we're in this age of grace. So what we could argue is that there are demons or entities or things that are locked off the planet and not allowed to be here that CERN could be opening a door to, to let them in. And because it's the end times, God's going to allow it. Yeah. And this throws right into our next episode about the giants, because I do believe this plays right hand in hand with what you're talking about. And I do believe that somehow, some way, this is exactly what's going to happen. As you read revelation, it talks about and then the abyss was open and smoke arose and then these locusts fly out. It's like, it sounds crazy. Right. It sounds like sci-fi, but that's going to happen. And we'll talk more about that. But I do think that that is something that is very fitting. It fits in right with the last days just before the return of the son of man. If those days were not shortened, no flesh would survive, period. Right. So Christ is coming back. He's going to put a stop to this craziness. And we mentioned the Vatican. While I'm doing that, I cannot mention the Vatican without also mentioning Mount Graham, Arizona, the Lucifer binocular telescope. Go do your own research on that. That's a side one that you can go look at some homework there, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, just look into that. Tom Horn, Skywatch, they did some really good stuff with, uh, they interviewed the people that were up there and 
they're watching something coming to the planet and all that. So anyway, I'll let them tell that story. Um, but as we're now shifting our focus here and with this episode, I want to start thinking about all the weaponry that exists. And I don't even know where to begin. There's so much technology in the world and really warfare drives our technology in a lot of ways. And if you think about that, right. th that's not a good thing really, right? Um, war's not good in of itself just to have war, just to go kill people. And sometimes you have to defend yourself and then now you're at war, but you don't want to go out just on a conquest just to go, let's, let's kill everybody and let's reign supreme. That sounds like antichrist type stuff. Um, but we have weapons and the technology and again, looking at what's coming up in the tribulation period, what exists now, I don't know exactly when the tribulation period is going to start, but what exists now, how much more will be developed before we get into the tribulation for use in the tribulation period. Right. Yeah. So we have mind control weapons. Mind control has been around for years, for decades. It really became popular in the CIA and MKUltra and Monarch program. You can go look at all those studies. That's where LSD started coming into play. They created a chemical to try to bring some type of uh, chemically induced method for programming of individuals. Well, you also call that re-education. Yeah. Well, that's more of a politically softer uh, way to put it versus right. mind control, brainwashing. But you have radio frequencies that are used. ELF. You have VLF, different things that can control people's mood or it can temper your mood or it can agitate, irritate. It can either lull a population into just kind of going along with whatever the program is, or it can move them to a point of stirring them up and getting them agitated. So it can kind of control moods. And there's all kinds of other things that are out there about mental health with frequencies and things of that nature. People were talking about health to the body, living under big power lines, big transmission lines, because they do have their own radiation field around them and stuff like that. Like you don't run big monster right. power lines over the top of neighborhoods. You're not supposed well, to do that. Not but, anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always like, did you grow up underneath the power lines, boy? <laughs> little, do you eat paint chips? Yeah, like stuff like that. So we have mind control weapons. Some of the same byproduct or another weapon that's used with frequencies is earthquake weapons. Nukes in the ground. Yeah. So you can have this frequency that's used on the planet then to excite certain areas of maybe earthquake prone locations to maybe generate a monster earthquake for destruction of your enemy or create an earthquake in the ocean to throw off this big tsunami to then impact your enemy. And then all you can say is, oh, so sorry that happened to y'all. We'll send some token aid relief. Right. Even though maybe they were the ones that ignited the seismic activity. Well, you always have to come back, shake hands, and play nice afterward. Right. You don't want an all-out war. You just want to kind of hinder. Right. <laughs> well, it's like the bully on the playground. You pick on a kid, you take his lunch money, and then, you know, the next, you know, once the teacher get in, gets involved, you go, hey, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. But you watch out for next time. <laughs> yeah. So another type weapon, just a real specific one. I just thought this was very interesting, the rod of God. When I first heard about that weapon, it's a basically a dumb piece of iron, like uranium or something, very, very, very hard, dense metal that is shaped in such a way that it gains a lot of speed and they drop it from space. Yeah, they did that in uh, the second G.I. Joe movie. They had a rod of tungsten, I think it was. Okay. 
and they drop it from space. And so hit. that's where I saw that. Yeah, it hits <laughs> like a nuke, but there's no nuke. Right. Well, and it's something where the Earth's gravitational pull and the lack of atmosphere up in space yeah. gets this rod accelerated to many times the speed of sound. Beyond it, terminal velocity. Oh, yeah. And it comes in like a meteor and then impacts a target, and they can guide it. They can hit with some precision with it. So there's no nuclear propulsion. There's no energy that has to be used to have it escape Earth's gravitational pull, go up into space, fly across the planet, and then re-enter. But instead, they can have it on a satellite, move the satellite over its target or general area of the planet that it's looking at, and then drop it, and then they can just guide it. I don't know how they guide it, but they can... Well, you could have a small system in the back end of it with fins. Well, I think it's more of like a, there's maybe weights. They move a weight to one side or the other, and it oh, kind of pivots. Like kind of like a blimp. You shift the weight yeah. to... Yeah. Weights uh, are like a, a gyro, a gyro-type device. Right. Well, and also the upside to the things, if you have forward weight and less weight in the rear... The forward weight is going to stay downward toward the center of the earth. And if you have a wonderful targeting system, which come on, targeting system is one of the easiest things you can do. You can just line it up right above and drop it. The forward weight will keep it moving straight. And at that point, you're just moving toward the center of the earth is all it's going to do. It's not going to move. So as long as you time the motion of the earth, right. And where you drop it, you can pinpoint it to the inch. Yeah. It's, it's something that I thought was very interesting and, Basically, having the power of a meteor to bring upon a target is just crazy to me. With no fallout, you—I yeah. mean, when okay, so again, GI Joe two um, <laughs> was the Rise of Cobra. I think was the name of that movie. They dropped it on London, and it hits, and you see a shock wave, like a tidal wave, come up from the ground and roll across the city. And you just see all these buildings getting just unearthed, just tossed and tumbled, and it's nothing but rubble in the wake. I remember watching that a few years ago and saying, oh, I don't know if we have that, but that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesomely bad. There's other things too. There's energy weapons that exist, um, whether you're talking about lasers, weaponized lasers. If you look at uh, lasers now, there's actually industry-grade lasers that will start fires and cut through. You have laser surgery. You know That's an industry where they can use things to burn flesh and cut away and also, they can sear tissue to prevent bleeding, so it kind of works really well from that regard. Well, in these days, you have stuff like Glowforge, which is a laser engraver slash cutter. Mm -hmm. It's tabletop, like, I don't remember, three, four foot wide, whatever model you buy. You can put metal, wood, anything in it, tell it what to cut on the computer, and it'll either, one, engrave it, or two, intensify the beam and cut through it, up to a certain amount, obviously. But you can have this in your house. Right. And so, that exists. Right. Energy weapons pulses, bursts of whatever type of energy, whether it's proton or magnetic or things that I'm not even smart enough to even describe really, but there's pulses. And there was actually some interesting things that just came up recently on uh, Dutch Sense. I don't know if you ever look at him on YouTube, but you can look up Dutch Sense, D-E-W, direct energy weapons, and where he believes that he actually observed off of a GOES satellite imagery of near-infrared where there was a, a beam that was visible in the image and where it was contacting the ground, you could see an intensification of the wildfire. And so is it possible that there's some sort of direct energy weapon in space that's being used, activated, 
And then like a would-be laser, like we were talking about just a second ago with a laser, just pointing it at that spot on the planet. And then, yeah, things are going to burn. And then now we have this wildfire. And, uh, oh, we're so sorry. We'll send aid money. You well, know? and that's actually really easy because like we just said, just with a normal laser, you turn up the, the power, you increase the beam, and it cuts through metal. Or if you're in a fire especially, it's just, again, like turning up the heat on a pot of water. Right. It's just more heat in an area that's already hot, but when you increase the heat of a fire, it expands faster because now your your radiant heat is reaching further and is causing ignition on things that the burning edge wasn't quite to yet. That's correct, and it's basic fire triangle. You have the fuel, you have the heat, and you have the oxygen. You're just adding one of those elements, which is, in this case, the heat. You're intensifying it. That's right. Um, this is a little bit more sci-fi, but I think there is something to it. That's why I wanted to speak on it here, but anti-gravity machines, which I'm all over. If anybody has one of these, like a homemade, I want it. I'm so into this. Yeah. So I believe my own personal opinion, somehow, some way machines have been created to basically oppose gravity. Okay. And I think that from this standpoint, this would begin to really explain things like alien craft. Right. Things that defy modern propulsion that we know of. So, for instance, let's just take your fastest jet fighter on the planet, whatever that may be. It's going to have some sort of exhaust system on the rear end of the aircraft, which produces its propulsion. So it's the whatever you have happening in energy. So if you have a burst of energy, you have an opposite and equal reaction in the opposite direction, therefore propulsion. Right. And so whenever you get an aircraft from a stop to a full speed go, there is an acceleration and it's going to be in a direction. And then whenever you want to maneuver that aircraft underway, at, let's say it's top speed, there will be a banking turn where the aircraft is making a circle, making an arc, and it's coming around to whatever other direction that it wants to face and fly. Because you have to fight momentum. And the atmosphere. Right. And so you get into gravitational forces where an, a pilot, a person can only survive so many G forces, gravitational forces. That I think is, nine is like the most extreme yeah. thing they train for. Nine is very extreme. I mean, I don't know right. if anybody Three can get is up, harsh. Yeah. I don't know if you can get up into like the double digits of like 10 or 11 or 12 Gs. I don't know if that's survivable. Well, at a certain point, you black out. Yeah, you'll probably the average person probably blacks out at like three G's or something. I'm just guessing, but it's low. Right, because People, there's a. Do you remember a few years ago we went to um, Six Flags in uh, Arlington, Texas, mm-hmm. and we were on the Titan. Mm-hmm. Josh and I were sitting in the very back, of the last car, because the G force was the most intense there. And the first time we went through it, when it was on that downward tornado, mm-hmm. the G force was so intense, I actually was seeing spots. Right. Because what happens when you have G-force is the blood that's pumping through your body gets pressed to the backside and it's hard for it to flow. Well, it goes down away from your brain. Right. And so they have gravitational suits where it compresses your legs so that way it tries to keep blood up in the upstairs in your brain. Where it should be. Yeah, where you need to be. Uh, so the point is is that if you can think the way the way that a jet flies and makes turns, that makes sense according to physics. Going back to the anti-gravity machines, they can do things that do not make sense with modern, I say modern, but with the type of propulsion that we understand. And so they don't need to bank. They go straight up and then straight left and then straight forward and then shoot out at an angle and then stop. And then, so that's a different type of machine. I personally believe that it exists. I've never seen it. I've never touched it. I've never seen any blueprints. 
but just from different people that I've listened to that I've found and that kind of start putting it together, it makes sense to me. It's just my opinion. I can't prove it. It's not a like a biblical salvation issue, but I think it exists. Well, and again, I'll go back to Bob Lazar, who I don't know if I believe him or not, but it's a fa- it's a fascinating story and elements of it keep getting proven right. And you can find him on YouTube. He did a Joe Rogan interview like last year or 2018 or something. So you can find that. Anyways, but so again, he had this whole story of working in um, Area 51 and his story is that he was working on an alien spacecraft. He said supposedly they had like nine of them he was working on one and he was only working on one system and a team of two. And there was other teams of two working on other things and other teams of two working on the other crafts. And one time he, he got to watch them turn one on and hover, hover it and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, but so he was saying that he was working on the, uh, the power source, which he describes as a basketball, like made of metal sitting on a plate. And when the two make contact, it suddenly creates a gravitational field, which powers the ship. See, that's what I was talking about. That's how it works. Right. <laughs> well, and so he, and he's, he's even like, we never figured out how it worked. At least on the time he was there, he's like, we never figured out how that worked. We just knew how to turn it. He's like, we were, we were like dumb kids with a, uh, a freight train. All we learned was how to turn it on and turn it off. We had no idea what all the other stuff did. And there was another team working on, um, there was like some kind of wall that could be there. And then when you turned on the power source, it would solidify or disappear. So I don't remember anyways, but just different stuff like that. And he was talking about this power source and how it ran on anti-gravity that it itself produced gravity. And that by producing gravity, you could then change its orientation, if you will, and produce anti-gravity or repel gravity. If I'm not mistaken, I think he also went on to say something about, and the pilot interacts with a ship, like with telepathy or like with some sort of mental connection, like almost like your brain is a Wi-Fi to your craft. Or a Bluetooth? I don't think that was him. Yeah. Because I want to say that there was one, they were saying that they got it off the ground and were kind of flying it around a little bit. Right. Um, and this, with some kind of rudimentary controls. This isn't to be confused with Independence Day with Will Smith flying his alien right, spacecraft. Right. But anyway, so it, it had... One, it was a really cool description. That's what I'm going to say. Watch Bob Lazar if you want if you want to hear that story. But anyway, that, that was a cool description of it. But he was talking about if you develop anti-gravity all the doors it opens up for you, because as far as we know, everything in the world involves gravity. So there was this, um, there's this great video, if you will, and you can find this, there's an astronaut on the international space system and he had, I think it was coffee grounds and a Ziploc bag and you know, he's in orbit. So there's no gravity and the coffee grounds in the bag, he's holding the bag up in front of the camera and there's just coffee grounds in this bag and they're slowly coming together and making clumps just like, you know, you say you have particle dust or whatever in the, or in space and it would come together and form planets or form stars. But so even the tiniest little thing like coffee grounds, when taken out of earth's gravity, because it's so large, you see that it has its own gravitational force. And so gravity is inherent to everything. Call it part of the atomic structure. Maybe it's created whenever the electrodes are excited and traveling in the storm around the uh, nucleus. I don't know. That's a theory, but something like that. So gravity is inherent to um, matter. So what you're trying to do is resist or uh, nullify the effect that is naturally there. Well, it's almost like a magnetic field is different than a gravitational field, but you have the opposites attract and the, the same poles repel 
And I think that's the same type principle when you're talking about gravity is that they'll do a reverse of to offset the Earth's gravity. And push like, gravity at gravity. Right. And then so then they'll use it to escape Earth's gravity. So now it's a repelling effect away from the Earth's gravitational core. So depending right. on the size of the planetary body. So if I take you, whoever's listening, and I put you on a scale and you're on planet Earth, you're going to weigh so many kilograms, so many pounds, depending on where you're at in the world. If I take you and I put you on the moon, you will weigh less kilograms or pounds. Why? Right. Because it's the size, the mass of the moon determines how much pull that you're feeling on your feet when you step on a scale on that planetary body, the moon. Then if we could take a little ride over to Jupiter and if we could stand on the surface of Jupiter because it's got a lot of gas to it versus just a solid floor or a, a solid ground surface, you would weigh many times more than you would on planet Earth. And if you could go stand on the sun and not die of heat burn up <laughs> yeah and everything else but if you could go stand on the surface of the sun and weigh yourself there it'd be thousands of times more because of the mass that the sun is then demands that gravitational pull that's why the planets stay in orbit because of the gravitational pull the gravitational relation and going back to these anti-gravity machines just as you were describing uh, i wasn't gonna go all the way down this technical road of it but it's well, I'm not done yet. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, you look excited over there. <laughs> so, But it does do something to not only overcome the Earth's gravitational pull, but there's something about it that it then gets into a similar type pole, like north-south pole right. of magnets, that it becomes a repellent. So it gets lift and then acceleration where it can create these differences in front and behind the craft that then pull it in whatever direction, if you want to bank this way. And then the people that are inside, that's going further down the rabbit hole, okay? The people right. inside, they're not affected to the G forces. Because they're not being pulled to Earth's gravity. It has its own gravitational world and environment in there. So you just sit there and walk around in it and you can go whatever direction you want and change at the blink, at, the, at a snap, at just a, a 90 degree turn in mid-flight and you probably won't even spill your coffee cup because you have your own gravitational environment that is offset by design inside the craft. Just throwing this out there. I think it's real. I don't know how to build one. <laughs> I don't have blueprints right. to it, but this is what I think is going on. Okay. And so here, here's another interesting thing. So we're, th we're throwing gravity weapons into this conversation. We're in sci-fi now. Right. Everybody well, thinks we have totally lost our mind. Well, of course we have to cover this. So in the Mark of the Beast area, in the Beast system, what good is this, right? Here's the thing about anti-gravity, and here's the thing about, well, not necessarily anti-gravity, but the ability to generate gravity. Two constants in the, the universe we know about, space and time, both of them are affected by gravity. They prove this with um, astronauts. So I think it's Commander Kelly or Captain Kelly, whatever his name is, um, has a twin brother. And when he goes off to space and he's, removed from earth's gravity when he comes back he's actually technically i want to say younger or older than his brother i forgot but basically even a wristwatch will start ticking faster or slower i forgot what the effect is but so there's an effect on time inside of gravity which is why theoretically theoretically once you cross the event horizon of a black hole time stops because of it's just a black hole of gravity you know, it's just too intense to measure so with all of that said if you can create a gravitational device that produces gravity, right? Again, going to the what kind of sinister, sinister use there could be for this. You could actually turn on the gravity device while you're sleeping. 
and your eight hours becomes, you know, 24 hours, right? Because you've three times the gravity, you sleep three times as long, but you've basically by increasing the gravity slowed time. So when you wake up, you've basically time traveled because you were in a bubble of slowed time. Everybody else was speeding past you at normal speed. When you come out of it, you're more or less the same age, but you're now ahead, or I should say behind everybody else because it slowed you down for that time while it went by, basically froze you. And when you came out of that gravity bubble and you're back into just normal life, you're now younger than what you would have been because you went through a temporarily slowed gravitational field. Right. And this also kind of touches in on Einstein's theory of relativity with gravitational pulls speed, uh, right. mass, size, whether it increases or decreases, that everything is relative. Now, I will say that I do believe that there is a barrier, there is a veil, there is constraint or restraint that's been put in place by God to keep us from going past these barriers that he's designed in all of what we know to be reality. But <laughs> here's the deal. Right. There's another world out there that is even more real, which is the spiritual realm. And out there, once we get forward in our future from where we are right now, time will stop. We enter into eternity. So I do believe that the fabric of time and space and gravity, all this is going to be rearranged and we're going to step into eternity. Now that's all God's business. That's his design. And nobody is going to, and when I say nobody, I'm including the devil, no being, nobody will break down the fabric of time and space and gravity. There may be some manipulation of it. There may be some, some small things in how it's messed with and altered only because God allowed it, but he's coming to judge those who mess with his creation because gravity, light, sound, mass, time, all of that is God's creation. He created those and to mess with those is not necessarily a good thing. So that's just something I wanted to put there and kind of transitioning a little bit, going over to, um, for instance, we've talked about this before, but in World War II, you had Hitler. Hitler was big into the occult. Hitler was being led a lot by people that were looking into the things of like magic and spells and right. mind control and different types of whatever you want to call it, super power, super beings, and having this enlightenment and having this information from the other side. And this was going on. And in the midst of all of that, what came out of it? Well, we had this idea of the Uberman, the Uber soldier or the super soldier to genetically enhance. We've talked about this before in the past, but it wasn't just about Hitler wanted blonde hair, blue eyed guys in his army because he thought that white people rule, that was a piece of it. But the other half was that he was under the understanding that if he could get whatever type of race of person, and then that's his starting point, to then get into enhancing that human body to take it to another level to where he can develop or clone an army of super soldiers to overcome the world with the Uber man. Yeah. That's where he was at. It wasn't just about, okay, down with all the other races on the planet. And we're, we're about white people. It was about trying to take this, whatever Aryan race of people and then enhancing them to be super strong. And again, this goes back to the best way I know how to show it is like somebody like captain America 
or like the $6 million man or like the Incredible Hulk or something where there's this super capability of where you start talking about like he's a demigod. You know, he has this strength that's out of this world. It's not common. And and so he was into that. And then not only just that, but stealth technology and atomic weaponry and these guidance systems and this technology and, and capability with all of his weaponry. And he had like all these... They were on the verge of nukes. Oh, yeah. And absolutely they were. And stealth technology, their bomber, all this stuff, their V2 rockets, their propulsion systems. And remember, after World War II concluded, there's two things I want to point out. And this is for you to go and study. I'm not going to get into all of it, but it's very interesting. Two things. Number one, what happened down in Antarctica? Years after World War II ended, the United States sent a Navy fleet down to... Antarctica to go look into it. Go right. f- go find that out. Go look, research on your own. That's interesting. I think the, na- the Nazi base. Down yeah, there. I think there's something going on down there. I still think there's something going on down there. That's my own opinion. The other thing that I want you to research is Operation Paperclip. After World War II, the scientists that were doing all these things, well, they were not executed during the Nuremberg trials. They were scooped up. They went to one of two locations. They either went to the Soviet Union or they came to America and the West. And Operation Paperclip was the operation (laughs) that brought all these scientists over here so that way they can start working on our technology for us, picking up basically right where they left off, but we get to reap the benefit of their studies. Operation Relocation. Yeah, Operation Yeah, Transplant. And... Warner Von Braun, all of that, NASA, all got going right after, you know, we took these people in and started. Lockheed came out of that, didn't it? Yeah, there's so much that came out of it, and it's under the guise of different corporations and stuff like that. But there's so much technology that occurred that really, honestly, we still don't know the technology that existed back then, even in World War II that was secret and what was developed right after World War II. But it exists. It exists. And to talk about moving forward towards the tribulation period and all this stuff that we're saying about bizarre tech, this information in large is coming from fallen angels that are interfacing with mankind to get us to do things, to build for them stuff that is an abomination to God that will be used to open up portals, to open up dimensions, to allow them to come in, to allow them to come and set up their, their kingdom for the final fight at the end of the tribulation period. That's what this is all about. Right. And it's it's actually a really interesting study when you start looking into um, what went into the Manhattan Project where they're developing the nuclear weapons. And basically you are uh, perverting nature, um, if I can say it that way. You're taking what God designed, what God built, and saying, how can we use this in a way it's not intended to be used? And how can we use this to, you know, to kill? How can we use this to wreck life? How can we use this to, um, uh, to our own ends? And what they come up with is like the most dangerous thing that's ever. Well, I mean, I think you could argue for the hydrogen bomb, but still um, like one of the most dangerous things that's ever been created. I mean, it destroys everything in its range. It's got an enormous range. Um, The nuclear fallout on the backside, which causes cancers and um, all kinds of birth defects. And Chernobyl alone is a great example of how the nuclear age is so dangerous you know, we've all been born into it. And so I was like, oh yeah, nukes, you know, we'll trust the government to keep that safe. Historically, they have not been safe. You so know? far, pretty good record, but yeah, they keep having to like put new handcuffs on the world. Like, oh, now Iran wants nukes. Oh no, no, no. Don't let her. 
the okay look we still have nukes and the russians still have nukes and the chinese got them somehow bill clinton sold them the tech um but uh, (laughs) honestly but um yeah no iran you don't need nukes too nobody else needs nukes we'll Well, give some to israel but um let's go back to what the bible says that the the devil, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. So weapons, right? Weapons. Now, the issue is that what all can be weaponized? Well, we're talking about bombs and laser beams and types of aircraft, but there's other types of weapons too. There's biological weapons. You know, they can do things to, okay, let's just go with stuff that is real common. Okay, well, they have some sort of uh, illness or some sort of plague that they released that they designed. Well, it gets more sinister to that. They can design things to go after certain races of people, ethnicities, or demographic people, or they could do a binary type weapon where everybody who, you know, drinks the tap water that has this one half of the weapon in it, and then you go out and then they aerosol the sky, and then you get the other half, and then the two come together, then you get it. So it's like, okay, we're going to spray everybody, but the people on our side, hey, don't drink that tap water because that's the other half. So you can go right. in there and invade and all that stuff, but don't drink the tap water. You drink the water that we give you or whatever. And so you have all this stuff going on. Um, the other things where you can have uh, nanotechnology, which I didn't mention before, but nanotech, which kind of goes back to the first G.I. Joe movie where they have those nanobites right. or nanobots, whatever they are. But in all reality, nanobites. yeah, mites, whatever it is. But in all reality, there are things that you have these microscopic, almost like synthetic cyborgs that are programmed to release certain things within the human body at whatever point that they're told to release. Yeah, don't think of it as like a like a little crawling bug inside of you, but more of just like a pellet yeah. with some kind of poison in there and a timer or some kind of transmitter to receive the signal to let it go. Yes, and it's like a delivery system. That's the best way I know how to say exactly. it. It's a delivery system, and you can ingest it. It can be imprinted on the top of your skin, then it goes into your skin. It can be injected by syringe or what have you. But these things exist, and I've looked at it enough to know that, man, th- this is some crazy, crazy technology and then there's other stuff where they can again like we talked about before enhancing soldiers you know all of these crazy laboratory experiments to try to get into the genomes and the dna and then try to enhance it's like oh we blew that guy's leg off it just exploded in a in a you know in a mess uh okay back to the drawing board i think i know where we went wrong you know so all these experiments that are going on well and if you want to get to the point where you can do customized dna so if you want to go in and change your eye color from blue to green or whatever have you if you want if you have brown eyes you want blue eyes i know a lot of people that have brown eyes that want something else if you want to do that kind of stuff it's going to start with super soldiers yes it's going to start with a weaponized version of genetic altering right and i i think that this is all headed towards one thing. We mentioned it before, the great convergence, the singularity. Right. Where these elitists, they simply want to merge into this tech, this technology, whatever the technology is. It's not just a microchip. We're talking about nanotechnology, biotechnology, these energy and gravity weapons and portals and all of this stuff supposedly at their disposal to try to reach eternality, to try to reach immortality, immortality from death, that they don't have to worry about dying, that they can upload their soul or their consciousness. Just like, again, going back to the, um, (laughs) going back to the movies again. And uh, I think it was winter soldier. The bad guy was uploaded in the computer 
Uh, or you can, you know, look at it from that standpoint that that's what they want to do. Ray Kurzweil, I've mentioned it before, but this technology that's going on, this is not normal. It's just not normal. This is not okay. And there's some convenience in it. There's some entertainment value in it. There's some comfort to our physical bodies, like air conditioning or heat. There's some comfort in it. I get it. But the leading edge of this stuff is sinister. And that's what we don't want to lose focus on. And all of this technology and so much more, we could probably go on for days talking about all the things that have been invented and that exist and all the experiments in the labs and what they're doing with it and what they're trying to do with it. And like you said earlier, the doors that it's unlocking, like, oh man, now we can step off of this and then go in this direction with it. Or we can split out and go in five different directions with yeah. it. Let's fund up all these new laboratories. Well, and they'll be trying to develop one kind of new tech and they'll say, oh, we need something that does this. Oh, these guys over here in, um, you know, food technologies develop something that does that. It does it in food, but, you know, plants are genetic. We can use them. Right. And, they'll, and so they'll borrow from each other. But then also past that, um, if you want to go to Hollywood again, if you look at the movie Surrogates with uh, Bruce Willis. So everybody lives their life in their house or in their apartment and they sit in just basically like a giant avatar control rig and they have robots that look like themselves that, you know, they go to work with and all that all day. They don't go out. They don't go outside. And so with this singularity idea, if you could upload your consciousness into a computer and control an avatar robot to go and live your life, two things. One, you could possibly achieve this eternality that you talked about. Or two, you could avoid things like coronavirus. Yeah. So if this goes on long enough, you could start seeing some tech like this possibly show up. You know, because we already live on, you know, online with digital avatars anyway. If it goes on for a few years, you might see tech like this show up. Like, hey, you know, here, buy this $100,000 robot. You can just sit at home and, tell it what to do and it'll go and do and live your life and all. And Hey, if you throw in an extra five K, we'll make it look like you, you know? And you know, you just, I know it's a little sci-fi well, it just is. reaching out there, but you talk about, we mentioned before growing lung tissue. Why not right. grow a whole body? You talked about right. food and the food industry. Um, man, I want to say, uh, it's Arby's is one and maybe Wendy's is the other one where they got these synthetic meats that they're growing. Yep. These aren't coming from animals. They're growing them in labs. Now they're going to say it's plant-based. Based. That doesn't mean it's 100% like veggie burger or bean patty or something, bean burger. A little bit of stem cell went into it's, it. We don't know what's in it, right? It's plant-based. They start with some plant material, then what else is in there? And so that's where we're already headed, even in our food industry. So why can't they grow a full-blown avatar that you're connected to Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, whatever it is, the 5G network, as long as your avatar stays within this 5G network, you can completely control it. Now, that's futuristic, right? That's futuristic. But I still think that there's ways because our brain is firing on little electrical charges. Our neurons are firing, and that does everything. It makes us breathe. It allows us to hear and see and touch, taste all of our senses, our digestive tract, our muscles, all these things are happening and even repairing the body. If you get cut and you have a little wound, it's healing. All these things are happening because your brain is telling your body what to do and all the cells are doing its own little thing. They all have their little jobs. And this is something that they are looking at what controls all that and how to interface with your body in order to jack into it and then transmit out other stuff they want to control that will augment your realm, your reality. Right, because the brain's hackable. 
Absolutely. So when the brain is hackable and the brain controls absolutely everything that makes you you and makes your body independent, the last thing we should really be open to is the idea of somebody studying how to hack it. Yeah. What happens if they can access your memory or access what you're seeing or thinking? Well, see, it's the seeing and thinking that, that will actually mess with you because say somebody is, I don't know, say somebody's um, opposing a certain political party and that political person doesn't like it. And so you get hacked and you just walk off a cliff. Yeah. You know, you left behind a suicide note. It's all in your hand. Nobody made you. There's It was you, on camera. Yeah, you did it right in front of a camera. Yeah. They got video of you just, you know, screaming farewell world and jumping, you know, yeah. but because you were hacked. Yeah, and Minority Report came out a long time ago, another movie. And I think Hollywood, yeah. I think Hollywood is actually doing this stuff not on accident, but I think that there's something to it. Well, they follow all the kind of the modern tech and the all trendy and say, stuff. Let's I, make a movie about yeah, it. Yeah, and Minority Report basically in short is basic mind reading and they can go and look at your brain and then they can look at your thoughts and what you like how you think and your mood and what you believe in and then what you're based off of that they can predict and walk out project out what you're going to do and therefore now you'll be convicted of a murder that hadn't happened yet and yeah. well it, they had like three psychics that yeah the psychics could see right but yeah. the point was that there was an interfacing with technology you know through this Quasi- yeah, they had, they had to keep these three people yeah. like sedated. Squ- and- yeah, it's like a quasi, it's like a quasi spiritual gate meets technical gate. Which, if you look at it right. from a standpoint of of the fallen angel technology, is exactly what it is. It's a spiritual realm interfacing with our technical realm. You know, so that's something that we look at and seems very plausible from a biblical standpoint. Now, I don't have all the ins and outs, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't have the blueprints to the anti gravity craft. I don't have the blueprints to what the mark of the beast will be. I know what it has to be capable of doing. And whenever I'm looking at the outcome of the tribulation period, we have to get to that point. So here we are right now with what I know. I know where we're headed. Therefore, you can try to fill in some gaps to get to that end point. But those are the things that we need to consider when we're looking at this bizarre technology. Well, and also when we say bizarre technology, we're just really kind of saying stuff that's um that's out of the normal, Right. Um, stuff that's beyond what the normal person thinks can be done. And with that, man, the, I hate, I hate to say it like this. Like I hate to say the government, but again, everything is weaponized first for the sake of government funding. But so the government has so much stuff going on that, you know, one person will leak it to somebody and it'll get posted on the internet. And some people take it serious. Other people, you know, call them a, you know, a kook or whatever and say, Oh, that's not possible. But again, you know, kind of our point to all this is all of this technology. So again, we talked about this in, um, uh, spiritual warfare, the devil at the end will gather up the earth's armies and all of its weapons and pile them up at the end to make war with Christ before he's doing this for three and a half years. He's making war with Christians. Now, if you have all of said technologies, what does war with the devil look like or war with the beast, war with the Antichrist? If he could hack your mind, change what you're seeing. If he could have a laser beam that could stop your heart from a thousand yards away, they just kind of put it on your chest and then hit a pulse with it one time and it stops your heart. If they have stuff, I mean, let's, let's just say stuff now. Say you're running and hiding because they're hunting Christians down, right? Which is in the Bible, hunt them down. Say you're running and hiding. 
and they fly a drone overhead, which has infrared and night vision, and they can see, you know, even one person sleeping out in the woods all by themselves. And, oh, they scan them. Oh, they don't have the mark. Go get them right there. Send in the, the robo dogs or maybe just drop a hellfire missile from the drone. Who knows? Or hit them with a pulse. Yeah, hit them with a little, um, again, heart-stopping laser right there from the drone. All kinds of stuff. The technical world, like you said, um, where we will be technologically next year will make this year look like 1990. I agree with it. Speaking of 1990, around then, a movie called um, Terminator 2 came out with Skynet. (laughs) As long as we're on the movie kick. But again, shall we play a game? Yeah, that's war games. I know. But anyway, but no... uh, but I do think there's a lot of really good illustrations there to pull the ideas, the concepts. I'm not saying that they're going to have these T-800s come out and they're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and go gun down all the humans. No, they would make it humanoid. That's Hollywood. Yeah. So it's different things that um, would be more sinister, more stealthy, that would come in and do the job more effectively, honestly. But they are building robotic dogs, if you will. It's a square-bodied robot with four legs that can walk into a cave... With, you know, you could put a, you know, use it as a delivery system. You could put a nuke on it if you wanted to, but they're working on its stabilization and its balance so that it can literally run across great distances, chasing somebody down. And from that point, you can put anything on it. You want, like I said, you can put a bomb on there. You can chase down a group of people or chase down a truck and blow it up. Or they're kind of using it for like EOD and stuff like that. Instead of having the little tank treaded robot, this one could walk in um, instead of needing the tank treads keeps the uh, the belly of it up off the ground, different things like that. But they're working on robots right now. Robots is like the, the, the future. Well, robots interface with AI and then monitoring right. capabilities. It's this all definitely a big impact on our future, even right now, but what's to come. And, you know, these are things that I want to just highlight that we do not need to turn a blind eye to and then discount and think to ourselves, right. Oh, this is just normal. No big deal. Nothing to see here. This is not normal. Again, as we said in the open for thousands of years, technology really didn't change much. And then all of a sudden the industrial revolution hit. And then you look at world war two and then where we're at today. And this is not normal. We are living in the last days. The Bible says that knowledge shall increase greatly in the last days and people shall be running to and fro. And the New Testament also speaks of these in these perilous days that we're going to be fully consumed in our own uh, in our own image, our own selves, our own comfort and pleasure, and that we're always going to be learning, constantly learning and learning new information, new information. And that's where we're at. But we never come to the truth as a society as a whole. Very few are going to find Christ right. as the Savior, as the Lord. And that's where we're at. This technology does scream out that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Right. And that's kind of the big takeaway from this whole episode is the signs of the times, man. That used to be a great church term, didn't it? The signs of the times. But um, Christ said, you have to, you know, you have to be able to um, decipher what this is. If you can't decipher what this is, you'll be fooled. You have to be able to look at the world around you and say, Hey, this is what happening and hold it to the Bible. Like you said, traveling to and fro and, all of this and then the history of man and how short of a, of a window that we've operated in. And then plus take it to some other, um, take it to some other, um, scriptures like the, uh, the, uh, the rebirth of Israel. And then saying that that generation will see the second coming of Christ that was there for the rebirth. So 72 years, 
generation is getting kind of old, right? So we're running out of time. And then you increase the, you know, like you said, the to and fro. So that's why we look at technology where it is. And we say all of this will be in the hands and at the command of the Antichrist inside the B system. And the Bible tells us it'll be used against us. What's that going to look like? And I mean, really, you can't stop it. That's the really, the really scary part. We can't stop it. We just have to kind of get ready for it. Just get ready for the fact that somebody's going to be hunting you down with the technology to find you anywhere and kill you from afar. Yeah, power was given under the beast to trodden down and make war with the saints. Who is able to make war? Who is able to stop the beast? Nobody except for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what God is going to allow to have happen so that when Christ comes back, all will know that Christ is supreme and that we need him because he's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can deliver us. There is no hope outside of Christ. There never was. There never was. Christ is coming back soon. I think it was a very solid conversation. Philip, anything else you want to say to wrap this up? No, I just want everybody to continue to watch this technology progress and to not turn a blind eye to it and to be aware. Don't be set up for the deception. That's the main thing of why we wanted to talk about this one subject here. Right. And I think that was a a beautiful way to end this episode was what you just said. Um, Who is like the beast and who can make war against him? Because that's exactly what we're going to be trying to do. We'll be just trying to resist him. So with all that said, thanks for listening.